And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. And I want to preach to you this evening with the help of the Lord on a message entitled, The Message in the Blood. The Message in the Blood. Let us pray. Reverend Tuig, sir, would you please pray over our message and messenger. Amen, amen. You may be seated. In recent years, there has been a remarkable discovery about blood. Now, we know all the way back in the Bible, God tells us that the life of man is in the blood. You take out the blood, you take out the life. But we have found out that in that blood has what we call the DNA, and I'm not going to, that's just a shortening of the whole thing, something, something, ribonucleic acid, but in that DNA, it actually has what they call the genome, and it's as if it was a book, an encyclopedia about you. It, in, in that DNA, it has all the code about you. It'll tell you what color your eyes would be. It will tell you your susceptibility to disease. It will tell you about your height and all these things. It's all wrapped up in that DNA code. And so they have found that at times when there were no other evidence, if they could find a drop of blood, they could look through that blood and find the DNA. And from that DNA, they could link the person that was responsible for the crime because of what was found in the blood. So in that blood, there was a message, and it would pinpoint the person that was responsible for the crime. Now, in our Bible reading, we find a very similar situation. It's not a, uh, it's not a hidden story. This is one of the first murders, the first murder we read of in the Word of God, and it's when Adam and Eve's son, Cain and Abel, Cain rose up, and the Bible said he slew Abel. I'm not going to go into all the details there. We want to go forward, but all because Abel did the right thing, and Cain was just bothered by him, basically. And when Cain didn't want to do the right thing, he said, well, I'll just, I'll kill the one that's making me feel guilty instead of doing something about it. And so he rose up, and he slew Abel. Now, here's the thing. We don't know exactly what happened afterwards. Did Cain try to bury his brother, hide what was going on? Did Cain try to somehow think that if he can get his brother hidden away in some bushes somewhere that God wouldn't know about it? But we do know that when God came down, he said, what have you done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. So we find out that blood has a voice. Blood has a voice. And it was crying out to God saying that this man, Cain, had slain his brother. Whether he had been buried or whether he has been pushed off in the bushes somewhere, it could not be hid. And it reminds me of the famous story that was written by Edgar Allan Poe called The Telltale Heart about a man that 
began to despise his neighbor, who always thought his neighbor looked at him with this evil eye. And so he plotted day after day how he was going to sneak into his neighbor's house one night and kill him. And he did. And when he killed his neighbor by suffocating him in the bed, he then dismembered him and put all of the body parts underneath the floorboards, cleaned everything up. And when he was done, he had this self, this smug self-satisfaction that he had hid his crime. He had committed the perfect crime. He was so sure that his crime was hidden that when the police came because they had heard a cry and they were investigating what was going on, he invited them to come in, search the house, look. And even after they had searched the house, they, he brought them to the very room underneath which he had buried the old man. And as he sat there quite smug and began to answer the questions, the story goes on to say that he thought he heard a heartbeat. And that the heartbeat seemed to get louder and louder. And he kind of shuffled his chair to, to cover up the heartbeat. And as it continued on, he wondered why the police didn't just rise up and arrest him. Surely they could hear it too. And eventually... In his mind, it got so loud that he rose up and confessed to the crime and opened up the floor, and his murder became known. It's very similar to what happens to a guilty heart. There are things that we try to do to cover it. A smile, a handshake. Sometimes we think the sin has been so thoroughly and perfectly committed that nobody knows about it. But there is a telltale guilt. There is something that cries out saying, you know you shouldn't have done that. There is a break in our fellowship, not only with God, but oftentimes it's, it's made aware in our fellowship with others. Suddenly that person becomes a bit cold or standoffish. Or for whatever reason they have a, a spirit about them that's not the, the normal spirit. Their life begins to tell that there's guilt within. When Christ died for us, he had to shed his blood to pay for our sins. And a lot is spoken of about the, the blood. The critics of Christianity call Christianity a, a bloody religion. But there's a reason why the blood had to be shed. Because when sin had come in, we had ushered in death. And so there needed to be some life to pay for the sin. And as I shared with you at the very beginning, the life of man is in the blood. And so the blood, the only blood, the blood of God's own son. And I want you to think about it for a second. Because we're not just talking about the blood of a goat or the blood of a bull or a blood of a, uh, a sheep somewhere. But the only blood that was able to pay for our sin was the priceless, uh, the innocent, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so God loved us so much. He said, the only way that mankind can get back into fellowship with me, the only way that they can have that, uh, that uh, uh, cleansing and that uh, sin washed away is if there's blood shed for them. An angel can't shed blood. A prophet cannot, does not have the perfect sinless blood to shed. No animal could do that. And so Jesus said, I will be the one. And when Jesus died and his blood poured out, there was a door open for us 
so that we could come into the fellowship of Almighty God when we have confessed our sins and we receive the blood that Jesus died for us. But in understanding what he did, there is a message in the blood. The message says, I had to die for you. Sin is a serious thing. Sin is a serious thing. It wasn't just some five and dime sacrifice that was made for us. It wasn't just some uh, go to the bank and pull out some money that was paid for us. But it was the blood of God's own son. And if Jesus had to die for us, it shows me how serious sin is. Recently I read the statistic. Over 50% of those who call themselves Christians, stay awake, over 50% of those who call themselves Christians say that having sex with somebody is sometimes or uh, always acceptable. Some, having sex with somebody outside of your marriage, somebody that you care for, that you're not married to. And when you read that statistic, your, your mind is blown. What they're saying is uh, it's okay to fornicate in their mind. And you got to ask the question, well, why in the world do they think that? And it's because we have been, we have been saturated with this, this uh, society that says it's okay. And they pour sexuality and all this filth into mankind and into the media to get people to think that it's okay. But the blood of God's son had to be shed to pay for that sin. So we understand it's not just a little thing. It's a serious thing in the eyes of God. He had to shed his blood for us. That means the blood spoke of the guiltiness of mankind. The voice of Jesus' blood said sin is not a small thing. The voice of Jesus' blood shows us that it's not something to be played with. It's not something to be, uh, sin is not something to be scoffed at. It is something that will keep us out of heaven. Sin is a serious issue. And the blood, the voice of God's blood shows us how serious it is. But thank God that's not the only message in the blood. Because the blood has another message. It says you can start anew. The whole reason that Jesus shed his blood is so that we could be forgiven. So that we could be cleansed. Now, I heard Reverend Parr preaching about this recently. He's our pastor in Columbus, Ohio. And he was sharing how that when Adam and Eve had sinned, they understood, their eyes were open, they understood their guiltiness, and they, the Bible said, they sewed themselves together fig leaves to cover their private parts, because now they understood they were naked. And so they were trying to cover their sin. God had to come down, and he slew an animal. He made a covering that was Uh, through the, the slaying or the shedding of blood that would cover their sins to show that man's covering wasn't enough. And then eventually we know that Christ came and he shed his blood so that we could be cleansed. And he made this point which I thought was so great. Why cover that which God hath provided a cleansing for? Why cover that which God has provided a cleansing for? Instead of covering and pretending like it's not there, why not just go and get it clean? Instead of going through all the rigmarole of trying to cover it up, why don't you just come open with it and let God wash it away? 
Because the whole idea of Jesus shedding his blood for us is to show that there is a chance, an opportunity for a brand new beginning. We don't have to stay in sin. We don't have to stay in the same habit, the same ruts, the same routines of temptation and sin and coming back to God with our guiltiness and never being able to overcome it. The blood says you cannot, you don't have to cover it anymore. You can be cleansed from it. And that cleansing, with that cleansing comes a brand new beginning. But so many people go on through their life all the time covering, 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 instead of getting cleansed, pretending, 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 instead of getting cleansed. Why cover what God has provided a cleansing for? The message in the blood says you can start anew. But the interesting thing about the blood is not only does it know when you get into the DNA of our blood again, not only does it know what is now our eye color and all these other things, but it also, that DNA, it also shows what's going to be in the future. Your susceptibility to cancer or to all these things. It It shows the whole story of you contained within. And so the blood of Christ not only cleanses us in the current, the present, but it also has a future for us. Amen? It gives me a certain boldness that says I can live for God. I'm not going to walk around as if my Christianity is fragile. I'm not going to make excuse for sin. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not worried that if for whatever reason I mess up, that I don't have a way back to God. I've got the blood. I, I can go. He said we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That if we sin, his blood will cleanse us from all our sins and all of our transgressions. So we've got not only a current cleansing, but we've got hope that if we mess up, there is a future cleansing. I can go to Christ and say, Jesus, uh, forgive me. Uh, In that blood, there is a future. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans of an expected end. Now, I don't know the plans that God has for me, and you don't know the plans God has for you. It may shock us if we knew, if we knew the blessing, it may overwhelm us. If we knew the battles, It may scare us if we knew the situations that we would be in or that we would go through. It might be too much for us. But the blood speaks of a future that God's already in control of. There is a message in the blood. It shows the seriousness of our sins. It shows the ability to start afresh. And it shows that there is a future Whatever future God has for us, whatever, we have a future no matter what our past. I like that. Because I wish I could go back and undo some things, but I can't. Neither can you. I wish I could go back and redo some things. But as they say in France, the carrots are cooked. Once you cook them, you can't undo them anymore. We might say in America, the banana's peeled. Once you peel it, you can't put it back on. The life has been lived. The deeds have been done. There's stuff that we all have uh, a, a past about. And I can't undo that. But no matter what our past, 
The blood says we have a future. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. He says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all our sin. That's a comforting verse to me. Get ready, musicians. I'll tell you why. Because sometimes as we're walking with God and we're in the light, we may do things we didn't even realize at the time was wrong. David prayed in the Old Testament. He said, God, cleanse thou me from my secret faults. Things that maybe he was oblivious about in his own life. But it says, if I walk in the light as he is in the light, I fellowship one with another. And the blood is constantly cleansing me. Now, if I am made aware of something wrong in my life, I have the responsibility to confess it. And once I confess it, he will cleanse it. But as I'm walking in fellowship with God and I maintain that fellowship, if there's something I've done wrong I've not been aware of, that blood cleanses me. Do you see? So that's a comforting thing because sometimes I realize, oh, man, I did this and I didn't realize it. Or I did this and I wasn't aware that I had spoken that way that it offended somebody, whatever it may have been. But as long as I keep that fellowship, God's, that blood is cleansing, cleansing, cleansing. So the message in the blood is that sin is a serious thing. The blood speaks about it, the seriousness of sin. It didn't take just any blood, but the blood of Jesus. It speaks that we have a chance to start anew. And it speaks of we have a future, no matter what our past. The blood of Christ has our whole story in it. Which is why he warns about those who would tread upon it and trample upon the blood of Christ by turning from him. Don't do that. Come to him today and say, Jesus, cleanse me with your blood. He can give you a new beginning this night. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, we love you.